This Washington Post Live podcast is presented by AT&T Business, keeping your business connected today and building it for tomorrow with 5G on America's best network. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Dr. Ben Carson joined the Washington Post to discuss the Republican National Convention and how he characterizes the administration's vision for the future. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Bob Costa, a national political reporter for The Washington Post. As we continue our coverage of the Republican National Convention this week here at Washington Post Live, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Ben Carson. He is the U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. But to be clear today, he is with us as a political supporter of President Trump, not in his capacity, not in his capacity as HUD Secretary. But Dr. Carson will speak at the RNC on Thursday night. He is also a member of the president's coronavirus task force. He's a medical doctor, so we'll get into some of those issues during this conversation. Dr. Carson, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Dr. Carson, before this interview, I was thinking back to four years ago. You were a presidential candidate. I interviewed you many times on the campaign trail. You know what it takes to run the challenges that are involved. Uh, what does your friend President Trump need to do to pull in more voters at this moment and win a second term? I think uh, he just needs to continue to be out there uh, talking, talking about his policies, talking about who he is, uh, you know, countering some of the things that are said about him that uh, obviously are not true. Uh, but of course, I think we all recognize that in the, in the political arena, uh, a lot of charges are, are thrown around. And uh, the best way to, to counter those is actually to get out there and talk about uh, what's being said. What about independent voters? How can he win them over? Uh, again, uh, deal with their issues. What are the things that people are concerned about in this country? You know, they're concerned about their safety. Uh, they're concerned about their independence. Um, Obviously, uh, people are concerned about the coronavirus. They're concerned about their health and how those things are dealt with. So they're concerned about their children and about the future of their children and, and whether they will be you know, saddled with uh, incredible debt, uh, whether violence will be the way of our country. All of these things, I think, are things that particularly the independents are concerned about. Let's get into that, Dr. Carson, the coronavirus pandemic. You are a medical doctor, a med member of the task force. Last night, you may have heard economic advisor Larry Kudlow. He spoke of the pandemic in the past tense. Do you see the pandemic as something that's in the nation's rearview mirror? Well, obviously, we've made a lot of progress and we've learned a lot about the virus, but we're, we're still in it. There's no question about that. And uh, it's incumbent upon all Americans to recognize that they have a responsibility uh, to those around them to observe the proper, appropriate precautions uh, to make sure that we don't spread the virus around. And we also need to recognize that a very large portion of people who have the virus are completely asymptomatic. They have no idea that they have it. Uh, that doesn't mean, however, that you shouldn't be observing the precautions. And we just, all of us need to continue to emphasize that regardless of one's political spectrum. Do you wear a mask when you're out in public, Dr. Carson? And do you think the president should do more to encourage the wearing of face coverings? Uh, I wear a mask 
when I'm going to be out in public and around in close proximity to people, yes. What about President Trump? Is he doing enough to encourage the wearing of masks? Uh, I think he's made it very clear that uh, he thinks that wearing of masks are appropriate. Uh, one does have to recognize that he has a, a bit different situation than the rest of us. You know, anybody who's going to be around him has to be tested. Uh, and he has tested himself at least once a day. So, you know, if that were the case with all of us, you know, I think we could probably relax a little more too. But uh, he has made it very clear that that's not the case with everybody else and, and that he does support the wearing of masks. On the president's second term agenda, eradicating COVID-19 is listed as a top priority. How do you believe uh, the administration should go about that? What's the best course in your view? Well, I think it's very important that the administration uh, entertain uh, a number of views on how it should be eradicated, not just uh, one or two views, uh, and have very open discussions. I'm, I'm very glad that, for instance, Dr. Scott Atlas was added to the task force and, uh, and brings his perspectives and all of those things can be discussed. Uh, I, I was very happy to see uh, over the weekend the president uh, announced that uh, in working with the FDA, uh, they'll take a, a little more aggressive approach to looking at some of the things uh, that could potentially accelerate the vac vaccine production or other therapeutics, um, recognizing that this is not business as usual. This is not let's take a year or two and uh, see how things are going. Uh, if we have something that looks like uh, it uh, is safe and uh, there's anecdotal evidence or other types of evidence that is effective. Uh, let's look at ways that we can get it tested rather than ways that we can push it into the background. Do you believe on that note that the FDA should be the one deciding all of these things or should, as you said, alluded to earlier, other voices be involved? You look at a drug like hydroxychloroquine, for example, uh, the president's encouraging its use, but the FDA has issued uh, significant reservations about it. Well, again, uh, you know, these are complex issues. Recognize that the studies that were done that the FDA evaluated with hydrochloroquine were done on people who were in very serious condition, in many cases already had significant organ damage. Uh, they did not look at those individuals who had been diagnosed and were asymptomatic or just beginning to have symptoms, uh, who tend to have a very different outcome. Uh, they, did, they didn't really talk much about why many of the countries in Africa that require visitors uh, to take things like hydroxychloroquine and other antimalarials have a much lower incidence of uh, COVID-19 and a much lower incidence of death. Why is that the case? Is anybody interested in, in knowing the answer to that? Well, the FDA has looked at, as you said, hydroxychloroquine in a hospital setting or for clinical trials, and they've advised against using that due to the risk of heart issues. But as a prophylactic, it, it, is that something you believe hydroxychloroquine should be used for right, right now in, in the United States? Well, I think we should at least uh, ask the question, why in the places where it is used that way is the incidence so much lower? Let's, let's have some intellectual curiosity here. 
but the FDA is the formal body uh, that decides. You've been a doctor for decades. Do you worry about any any of this discussion being political pressure on a nonpartisan governmental institution? Well, like I said, I was I was happy to hear over the weekend uh, that the FDA uh, is going to be uh, looking more seriously at uh, some of the things that could be potential uh, benefits. You know, what we need to be doing is, is throwing out politics and saying, is there a way that we can save more lives? Is there a way that we can take care of the population better? That should be our aim. On that note, what about a vaccine? There's a rapid development process underway, but as a doctor, do you look at that fast pace and do you have any concerns? Well, I know that it has been accelerated, but it is being accelerated under very watchful eyes. People are being careful. Uh, I do not advocate, you know, skipping uh, important uh, steps when it comes to safety. Uh, you know, obviously I spent uh, much of my life as a surgeon, uh, but I will tell you that in doing that, you know, there were sometimes people who said that, well, Carson's a hot dog because he's doing this surgery and nobody else will do it. Uh, that, you know, me being a hot dog is the last thing I am, but I do ask important questions. For instance, I will ask, what is the best thing that happens if I do this? And what is the worst thing that happens if I do this? What is the best thing that happens if I don't do this? And what is the worst thing that happens if I don't do this? And by asking those four questions, it very frequently leads you to the correct decision. Whereas if you don't ask those questions, you might be paralyzed by fear. Thinking back to your 2016 campaign, Dr. Carson, you had support from many grassroots conservatives, uh, grassroots activists who have suspicions of the federal government. Should the president do more if a vaccine is developed to encourage the use of vaccines among all Americans? Uh, well, I, I believe in vaccines and vaccinations. Uh, you know, they have uh, allowed us to have an open society, uh, recognizing that, you know, just go back and look at, at, at the history of this country. Uh, you know, when people came over here from Europe with uh, various the diseases uh, to which the Native Americans had no immunity whatsoever, it just wiped out thousands and thousands, if not millions of people. Uh, that was the main mechanism whereby the Native American population was decimated. The same thing happened in Australia and in various places around the world. So it tells you that immunization is an extremely important defense against a lot of diseases. And uh, those are the kinds of pieces of information that we need to disseminate to people. But we have to make sure that we educate people about what the vaccines do, what the benefits and what the risks are. And I think most people will make intelligent decisions if they are appropriately educated. Dr. Carson, what is the Trump administration going to do in the coming weeks and months to address the racial disparities in COVID cases? The CDC has reported that communities of color are being hit particularly hard. Well, you know, we can all hope that as a society, uh, 
we ask ourselves important questions like why is the African-American community and the Hispanic community hit harder by COVID-19 than others? Uh, and of course, we know that it's because of some of the comorbidities, uh, hypertension, diabetes, asthma, uh, obesity. Uh, many of these things obviously compound the issue when you contract the virus. Uh, but if we're smart, we will deal not only with those uh, comorbidities, but we will ask the question, why are those things more prevalent in those societies and deal with it at that level? Uh, you know, we need to be asking ourselves about housing situations. We need to be asking ourselves about nutrition and its availability. We need to be asking ourselves about long-term appropriate medical care. And uh, perhaps the most important thing, we need to be asking ourselves about education that we provide to people because you can be born in the worst ghetto or the most remote Appalachian farm. But if you get a good education, you write your own ticket. You don't find yourself in a lot of awful situations. And we need to begin to emphasize that to a much greater degree. Dr. Carson, you're scheduled to speak on the final night, tomorrow night. What is your message going to be in that, in that address? Uh, that remains to be seen because uh, my, <laughs> it, it frequently changes over the course of time. Uh, but, you know, I do want to emphasize the fact that, you know, we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. And, you know, the, we're a very strong nation and we have a lot to offer. And uh, we're the only people who can destroy it. Russia can't destroy it. China can't destroy it. North Korea can't destroy it, but we can destroy ourselves. And we do not have to go down that pathway. And I hope people will really begin to understand that if, if we want to be successful in the future, it means that we have to develop all of our people. We have to make opportunities available for all of our people. And if we concentrate more on that than on political advantage, we will indeed be successful. Based on your comments just now, is it likely that your speech is going to be more big picture promotion of different ideas in President Trump rather than a discussion of housing policy? Because we have heard housing policy from other speakers be discussed at this convention. Well, given the fact that I'm not really interested in violating the Hatch Act, I probably will stay pretty much away from that. House Democrats, Dr. Carson, are looking into possible violations of the Hatch Act, which is, if you're watching and you don't know, it's a law prohibiting political activity while on official duty. Do you believe, Dr. Carson, that the administration is at the least testing the bounds of the Hatch Act? Uh, I would hope not, but uh, you know the fact of the matter is, uh, maybe we should even be looking at the Hatch Act. Uh, does it really make a lot of sense? Uh, certainly, uh, you know there are a lot of people uh, in Congress on both sides who do nothing but political activities all the time, uh, and, and why should they even be concerned about the Hatch Act? You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You'd be in favor of a Hatch Act repeal? Uh, certainly of a modification. 
Let's do. Back to let's, the... I'm, I'm always in favor of things that make sense, logic and common sense. That's what I'm in favor of. Well, the, the Hatch Act is to try to keep cabinet officials focused on their duties rather than political campaigns. That's the intent of the act. When you look back at it, you think that was a misguided effort at the time? Uh, I think the overall goal is good. I think perhaps the way that it is interpreted is sometimes uh, out of bounds. And, you know, like so many other things, gets us focusing on the wrong thing instead of focusing on how do we solve the problems. And that's what I'm concerned about. And that's the reason, you know, that I do what I do now. I'm, I'm concerned about solving real problems for real people. That's always been my concern. That's why I spent uh, most of my career as a physician trying to give people a second chance at life. Dr. Carson, you've been watching this convention. We've all been covering it. On one hand, the president and his allies are arguing he's the law and order candidate. On the other, they're saying he's the champion of criminal justice reform. Which of those messages do you believe he should more fully embrace in the final stretch of this campaign? Well, obviously, if you look through human history, and you look through different uh, civilizations, you quickly come to understand that you really cannot have organized, civilized society without law and order. If law and order is the person who has the biggest stick is the ruler, then you have barbarianism. That's not uh, what I call a good use of the intellectual potential that human beings have. But that's a strong word, Dr. Carson, barbarianism. When you look at the protests nationally, they're mostly about racial justice. When you see those protesters, what do you see? Uh, barbarianism or an effort to promote do, racial justice? I do not see racial justice when people come in from the outside and destroy the communities of the people that they claim to be trying to help. But what about the, the peaceful nature of many of these protests? Uh, yeah, yeah, peaceful. Uh, I remember seeing one of the correspondents uh, talking about peaceful protests while there were fires burning in the background. It really, I guess, depends on your definition of peaceful. So you don't see any aspect of the Black Lives Matter movement that is peaceful in nature? You see it all as violence? Uh, I, I don't think we need to go to hyperbole and say you see it all or none. It, this is not an all or none situation. But the fact of the matter is, you can have a glass of water, which is very helpful, and you put a couple of drops of poison in it, and it really is not very helpful. And the same thing goes, you can have a whole lot of people who are peaceful protesters, and you throw in some poisonous elements, and it creates a very undesirable situation with a very undesirable outcome. But Dr. Carson, what is your message to young Americans, especially young black Americans who look at the shooting uh, in Wisconsin over the weekend and see this country having total racial unrest, they fear for their lives. What's your message for them? Uh, my message is that uh, uh, peaceful protesting is absolutely appropriate. I'm a big fan of that. The greatest changes in our society occurred as a result of peaceful protesting. 
And Dr. Martin Luther King was a strong proponent of that and a strong opponent of violence. You've called the Black Lives Matter movement something that's being, that's, that's trying to manipulate, that was your word, manipulated uh, different, pe different people and groups. I'm curious, what did you mean by that, using the word manipulated with Black Lives Matter? Well, well I think it's very important to recognize that most people believe that Black Lives Matter. As a phrase, absolutely, we all believe in that. However, a lot of people are not familiar with the Black Lives Matters movement, if you go to their website, you will discover that they have Marxist origins and they're not interested in America the way it is formulated now. And they're looking for fundamental change in America. So make sure you actually know what you're supporting. Marxist origins, you're referring to the founders activist roots I'm saying go to the website and read about it and know what you are supporting. The Washington Post has done extensive reporting on all this. I'd encourage others to go to Washington Post to find out more about Black Lives Matter and their origins. We don't have time in the final few minutes here to get into all this, uh, but I encourage you to read the reporting and certainly check out the website as Dr. Carson says. Dr. Carson, what is your reaction back to the political map of Vice President Biden choosing Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate? Uh, I think uh, it sets up a, a very clear choice uh, during the election. And, you know, aren't those the best kinds of elections where, you know, you have a very clear choice which way you're going to go? Are we talking about, uh, you know, increasing government control over our lives? Or are we talking about a, a nation where it is up for and by the people? And I think uh, people will be able to make that decision for themselves. So I think it's very clear. I'm, I'm glad it's so distinct. What about mail-in voting? Are you going to vote by mail this year yourself, absentee? Yes, I am. And do you trust I that the vote will be counted safely? I think uh, systems that have been designed for absentee uh, voting, where you can actually request uh, that uh, the absentee ballot be sent to you at your appropriate address, makes eminent sense for those who need to do that. What do you believe, though, uh, is a concern with mail-in voting? This, all these anecdotal stories that have been shared so far at the convention uh, are, what's not mentioned is that there has not been reports of widespread voter fraud. So why does the Republican Party keep hammering this issue on an anecdotal basis? Well, first of all, I guess it really depends on what your sources are in terms of whether there's been uh, reports of fraud. But uh, just, again, think about it logically. If you just uh, send ballots out uh, to addresses without knowing whether the people are there or not, I think it's uh, somewhere between 15 and 20 percent of those have been discovered to be inappropriate uh, addresses. And you don't know what happens to those ballots. Uh, is somebody just going to send them back unfilled out? Is somebody going to take advantage of the fact that that's been sent to them? 
you know, why even introduce those questions? Why not continue to use a system whereby if somebody needs to vote uh, in a place other than at a voting uh, booth, they can request a ballot. They've got plenty of time to do it. Why not use the system that has worked in the past? Why introduce new and different systems uh, so close to an election? That, to me, does not make a lot of sense. Dr. Carson, the Post reported and others that you were involved in a meeting with President Trump in the founder of MyPillow and other uh, people about this possible treatment of COVID-19 using Oleander. Are there other meetings that you've been involved with about possible treatments that we don't know about? I don't discuss meetings that I have with the president in the Oval Office. I'm not asking you to discuss it necessarily, but I'm just curious if, if that specific meeting was the only one you've had or Maybe you, you are involved in other efforts to discuss treatment with President Trump. Uh, you know, I, again, uh, am not going to get into what meetings I have or don't have with the president regarding any subject. Do you f believe that there should be a little bit more uh, disclosure about these kind of meetings? You're on the task force, but we didn't learn about that meeting about Oleander until it was reported. Uh, should the task force be a little bit more open moving forward about what it's discussing in terms of treatments outside of the realm of the FDA? I think uh, there's uh, information, there's no attempt to, to hide information, but as a general principle, I don't talk about meetings that we have in the, White, in the uh, Oval Office with the president. If he wants to reveal those things, he's welcome to do so. Are you taking any of these treatments like hydroxychloroquine, Dr. Carson, uh, or other treatments? The president has publicly discussed his own decisions to take certain treatments. What are you doing, if anything? Uh, I generally, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I generally don't discuss my own medical uh, situation and what I do Understood. personally. I do try to be Understood. Dr. Carson, we began this conversation by talking about 2016 and your presidential run. Uh, when you look ahead to your own future in 2024, uh, are you considering another run for president? Uh, again, uh, I am I'm here in my own personal capacity. Uh, don't really want- You're here in a political capacity and a personal capacity. It's a political question. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to predict exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, obviously, I'm always interested in helping our country. So it's something that you won't rule out, it's fair to say, at this moment. Uh, I will rule in doing everything I can to help our country to be successful. Thank you, Dr. Carson. We'll leave it there. different ways to do that. Thank you. And maybe you'll, maybe you'll run for president again. We'll see. Dr. Carson, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Very much. And I thank you all for joining us this afternoon. We look forward uh, to continuing to provide coverage of this convention uh, throughout the week. To all of you watching, I hope you stay tuned. My colleague Eugene Scott will interview in just a moment Arkansas's Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson. Stay tuned for that. But for now, I'm Bob Costa, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening. 
To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.